0: Rule number one, you must be present to win. You've got to put yourself on the line or you're not going to achieve success. And every step of the way, there have just been grounding moments where my military career, things that had just happened, prepared me for that moment and allowed to take the edge off and give me the opportunity to succeed.
1: Is that much of it? Is That's not much like of a change for you, right? My name is Kerry Kite. I used to load bombs in the Air Force, and now I'm a writer, a filmmaker, and an entrepreneur. Through using the post 911 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian, and that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 71 features Army veteran Dave Coker, the first ever employee of the Fisher House Foundation. He is now the president of the organization and has overseen the growth of the network of Fisher Houses to almost 100. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. All right, we are live. Good morning, David Coker. Welcome to Veteran Made.
0: Well, thank you, Kerry. Very much appreciate the opportunity. You know, all too often, Fisher House is the best kept secret. And so to be able to talk about Fisher House and what we do and uh, how we got here is a, is a great opportunity. I'm, I'm grateful. Amazing. I'm, uh, I'm grateful to have you. So to ground our audience, uh, if you wouldn't
1: mind just giving us a brief primer on, on who you are, where and when you served, and, uh, and then I'll jump into some questions
0: from there. Okay. Well, my name is Dave Coker. I have the privilege of serving as president of Fisher House Foundation. Uh, I come from a military family uh, and I served in the Army. Uh, from 1979 to 94, took an early retirement when uh, the military was right-sizing, uh, and I'm a, I'm a recovering healthcare administrator. Uh, I, I uh, always thought that I would go and, and, and work uh, for one of the managed care companies, but uh, the opportunity came up to, uh, to go a different direction with Fisher House, Uh, and, and I have been with them for nearly 30 years.
1: Amazing. Um, so when was your, your first opportunity with Fisher House? How did that come about? And, and what was, what was that transition like for you from what you were doing previously to, to getting involved with the organization?
0: Well, when I was stationed, uh, at, at Fitzsimmons Army Medical Center out in Denver, we received the gift of a Fisher House. And, you know, you see this beautiful new structure being built at the end of the parade field. And, of course, the first thought is, oh, General's getting a new set of quarters. That's pretty nice. And they said, no, 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 that's Fisher House. And so the question is, well, what, what is Fisher House? And as I learned about the mission and what they did, uh, it, it, it just enamored me. Uh, you know, I, I, I set, went to the chief of staff. And I said, boss, I'd, I'd like to be the point man for this project. And he said, hey, Coker, knock yourself out. And and so um, at, at that time, the Army wasn't providing management for the houses, so I talked my wife into volunteering to be the manager. And that meant I was number one volunteer. And so from the very beginning, uh, I, I worked as a volunteer and just Uh, Again, fell in love with the mission. Um, I remember that first Thanksgiving in that house. Fitzsimmons had had two primary populations. One were the older retirees in the Denver area. The other were uh, supporting a, a, a NICU for people from Carson and the Air Force Academy and Peterson. And that first Thanksgiving, there were five NICU families that were in the house and if you don't think that was a special celebration of being grateful for where you were and what you are and the support you received, uh, and I've been sold ever since.
1: For those for those listening, we are recording this the week of Thanksgiving. This is uh, Mo- Monday, the twentieth. This this episode, Dave, will go live. Um, uh, the second the first full week of December so just after okay. Thanksgiving and before the rest of the holidays so it's good for everybody to understand that kind of we're grounded in in the, the time that we're recording this right and and it's it's coming up on Thanksgiving and thinking about those things I, I remember you know when I was in basic training at San Antonio uh, at Lackland I went through during Thanksgiving and um, had the opportunity to to attend Thanksgiving with another, maybe one or two, two or three more trainees to go to a, a family's home locally. And they came and picked yeah. you up from, from base and had all of that. And, um, obviously quite a bit less dramatic than, than, um, than, you know, NICU families and patients having the opportunity to, to be alive and, and celebrate Thanksgiving together. But one, one of my favorite things about the military and our community and a cross service, um, cross department is, is those, holiday times even if you're deployed during a holiday time right like you this time of year on Instagram and LinkedIn you see these fob photos come up with Christmas lights or with you know a drumstick or with yeah. an MRE or whatever it might be and there's just something about the holidays and there's something around our community and kind of how we figure out ways to to find uh, those meaningful moments in between all those things but with with the with Fisher house I mean the, you didn't have to find it it was kind of right right there for you what specifically was it that enamored you with the mission at the time and I I want to i want to get to what the mission is now and how it stayed the same and how it's evolved but at the time yeah. what was it specifically for you that had you so enamored
0: well you know it gosh that that goes back to an experience when i was a young captain stationed in germany and and uh, my my mom came down with cancer and as i said i come from a military family general malone who was commanding walter reed at the time had worked for my father And so my dad called him up and said, Lou, Virginia's got cancer. Who's got the best program? I'd really like to get a second opinion. And he said, well, we do here at Walter Reed, and I'll help you make appointments, but there's one condition. You're staying with me. And he opened up his quarters to to, to my parents at a very difficult time. And, and, you know, they were there for a week getting evaluated that the news was not good, but being in a caring environment made all the difference in their ability to transition with the, the challenges that they were facing. And I've just always seen Fisher House as giving that same opportunity to others, but you don't have to know the general. In fact, it's probably better if you don't. Yeah.
1: Um, so what did volunteering look like for you at that time? What, what was the, um, what did you do? What did you, your wife do? Like, what, what, what was, what was the, um, what was life like as you were, as you were volunteering?
0: Well, you know, at at a Fisher house, if it's, if, if, if it's one thing we know is that life happens, you know, when you get that call and you learn that a loved one is ill or injured or has been wounded, you want two things. You want the best medical care, but you want to be there. The military and VA health systems are two of the best in the world, and they provide world-class health care. Having a place for families to stay is a little bit more of a challenge. And so the, the, the people, by definition, are coming from outside the area. They don't know uh, what life is like in the big city. They're, they're facing circumstances where they may not know what the future holds. Uh, and so the first thing is, is just being a part of the solution. When they walk through the door, making them know and, and giving them comfort that there are others who appreciate their service, who honor that service, and want to help them in their time of need. Uh, and, and so you've got to meet them where they are. Uh, sometimes, you know, with, with Fisher House, we want your loved ones to be there, and we don't define who that is. Many times it's a spouse, sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it's another member of the family or a friend, and 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 so uh, they may not have much familiarity with with the army. And 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 I know the army's got new forms now, but back when I was in it, everything happened with a, a twenty four ninety seven. And you take that and you'd have to go see top or you'd see this or that. And, and so many times it's the manager who, who not only has to orient them to the installation and the environment, but has to be the translator as well. They, they, they gave me this, but I'm not really, sh- you know, I was listening. I heard what they said, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And so it's the manager and the volunteers that, that help take the stress off uh, and, and relieve some of the burdens during what's a very difficult time. I'm, uh, I'm sure we can all identify of times in our life when life happened either to us or a member of our family. And, and, and again, to, you know, we can all identify problems pretty easily, uh, but we don't always get a chance to be the solution. And that's what Fisher House has always been. It's, it's, it's been a way to find uh, the solution and get things where they need to be.
1: As you, as you volunteered and, and worked kind of within the organization, when did you start to think, or did you start to think, hey, uh, this is a long-term solution for me? Uh, in, in terms of, in terms of my, my own employment and my own career progression. Uh, and I'd like to, to get involved at, at a higher level and scale within the organization as well as scale the organization itself.
0: Well, one of the, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny. One of the things that, 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 that happened was I had, I had made the decision to retire and I had put my paperwork in and, and I was looking for jobs in the healthcare field. Uh, but one of the things that, that I did is I was supporting the house was I started a local group and, you know, back in the day you go on the internet and you say, okay, what names are, are available? And what do you know? Fisher house foundation was one of those names. And so I incorporated and, and, and we supported the local house through that. Um, then I got a letter from the folks in New York. And they said, you know what? We're starting a national foundation. So, you know, please don't have a name that's confusing. And Fisher House Foundation, we really like the sound of that. (laughs) So I changed the name of my organization and there was a PS on that letter. And it simply said, if you know of somebody interested in working at the national level, please have them contact us. And that was my cue. I said, you know what? I don't know what the future holds, but let's give this a shot. Um, and and it, it 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 just worked out. I went to New York for an interview, uh, and then was asked to go to D.C. for a follow-on interview. And and it's uh, you know one of those moments. That you can call it fate. I call it God. Thanks. You know, I was in the interview, and 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 I was asked, so what what makes me think you could ever get anything done? And I looked over at his wall and the sideboard, and I saw two things I had a hand in. And I said, well, I see you're a member of the Order of Military Medical Merit. Uh, and I was the adjutant for the order. I designed that certificate and 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 you know designed the packet that you received. And I also see you have a statue of the combat medic. Uh, that gift. Uh, was done by a man named Terrence Patterson. I located him in Colorado. I took pictures of the statue, and that's now the number one seller at the AMED Museum. And it's like, okay, what are the odds that those two things are going to be in his office? Right. Uh, and, and I took a chance. Uh, for the first year, I was the only employee. Uh, but when you're a part of something good, other people are going to want to be a part of it. And and um, probably my greatest talent is recognizing talent in others and, and surrounding myself with 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 good people, many who are veterans themselves, who who want to contribute to the the, the military community and their retirement as well.
1: What what did you what did you think? What did you what did you see in your mind's eye? What did you feel in your heart when you read that postscript? Was it pretty immediate for you to say, I know that guy, he's sitting in the room with me right now, or, or did you have to think on it?
0: Um, you know, uh, it was, you know, if I don't try, it's not going to happen. You know, if, 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 if you don't make, if you don't put yourself in consideration, rule number one, you must be present to win. And, and so there are times when you've got to put yourself on the line and say i'm interested uh, or you're not going to achieve success it it not only works in the dating world it works in the business world
1: <laughs> yeah that's exactly right so i mean so at that point though you were you know they had asked you to to, to change the name of your organization because you are working at the local level right and you were right. you were you were thinking about kind of like your your immediate family, your immediate community, and kind of how you could serve at at that level. Was there any sort of, um, well, I don't want to lead the question. What did you think about scaling that really quickly to the national level?
0: Well, um, I I simply knew it was something I wanted to be a part of. Mm. And and I was willing to take a chance. Um, as, As it turned out, uh, I remember going to the board meeting where where they were uh going to, to to vote on me uh and it was in New York on the USS intrepid uh and and I'm there and of course you know be, being military you show up about 30 minutes before you need to <laughs> time you, is late. you you you, you want to survey the the area and First person through the door was somebody I, I had happened to to, to work with uh, over in Germany uh, in my in my assignment when I was working at the 130th station hospital. He was the chief of staff of the medical command, and and uh, was someone who was not only someone I worked for, but someone I would consider a friend. And and you know every step of the way there have just been uh grounding moments where where my military career you know things uh that had just happened prepared me for that moment and and uh, uh, allowed uh, it to take the edge off uh and give me the opportunity to succeed
1: i love that uh, i always as i'm as I'm conducting these interviews, I'm always thinking, what's the title of this episode? Grounding moments. We just found the title. Uh, what what was it about you? Your uh, mindset, maybe your heart set. Like how how were you so aware of those grounding moments? Like what 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 was it about your approach uh, in life and at work to to keep your mind and your heart open to those moments? Was it intentional? Was it something you feel like it's just a gift? Uh,
0: boy, I I. I oh. I would have to say it, 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 it's a gift. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, um, one of, one of the, the pluses and minuses of military service, everybody has additional duties, you know, and, and, and sometimes it's a, oh my gosh, I need to do this. I need to do that. One of my additional duties was working with the combined federal campaign back in the day. And, and that experience gave me uh, an entree into the nonprofit world. I could see how it worked. I got to meet people in the field. I got to see organizations that benefited from that. And it was a great primer for, for what would come my way later. Um, and, and it was one of the reasons... I believe why I was selected for the position because I uh, I, I not only knew military healthcare and and VA healthcare, uh, but I I had experience working with the combined federal campaign, which in the early years was a major source of funding for us.
1: So the vote went well. You were selected. You were approved. To, to get to work what was next what was immediately
0: well, the, the, the first decision was okay coker where do you want to set up your office here in new york or in dc and i said boss if if we're going to support the military we need to be where they are and 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 so that brought us to washington dc and and offices and and rockville maryland where we still are today um and so that was the first decision. The, the, the second one was helping them expand. When, when I joined, uh, we, we had, gosh, it was 12 to 14. We had just opened a couple of, of, of houses that summer uh, that I started. And, and so the next question is, okay, where do we continue to expand? And, and in, the, in the early days... Uh, we were still building only at military medical centers, and 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 the major ones, and so the issues that that came up is the the priorities, and it was in '94 when Zach Fisher got a letter uh, from a nurse out at the VA in Albany, New York, the Stratton VA, and she said, you know, what you're doing with Uh, the military is fantastic, but we need that in the VA and what better place than your home state. And, and Zach was moved by that letter. Um, and, um, as, as we started to get involved with the VA, uh, we asked, okay, so where could you use one of these? And the answer came back with a list of more than 70 places. And so we had to say, okay, we're good. We're not that good. What are your top ten? Mm-hmm. And in that way, it gave us uh, an apple that we could take a bite of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, working with a list of seventy, it gives the opportunity for politics and 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 other things to creep in. When you force them to come up with their top ten, we know that we're building in the right places. The other thing was seeing the impact. Uh, of, of just what was happening. You know, uh, at, at Walter Reed, uh, initially there was one house and then we built two more. And as places started getting more houses, the original design was 5,000 square feet, eight suites. And, and so gradually we knew uh, as we were building more houses, we wanted to maintain that home feel, but we we needed to make the houses bigger, so the the, the houses have grown from five thousand square feet up to as much as sixteen thousand eight hundred square feet, being able to accommodate up to twenty families instead of just seven or eight. And we we learned that, uh, gosh, you know, back in the the early days of the conflict, so so often. Um the, the service members who came back were placed in, in medically induced comas. And they would be in that state for weeks to give their bodies a chance to heal. And then as they were brought out of the comas, uh, they, they uh, would get to the point where they said, OK, go get some fresh air, get out of the hospital for two or three hours, go see where your your wife's staying. And I remember meeting a, a young Army veteran, double amputee in a wheelchair uh, in the dining room of a Fisher House. And the other families that were there got together and said, you know, we know you've got a room upstairs. We can get a sheet and help carry John up so you can have some alone time. Hmm. You hear that once you say, OK, we need elevators we need every room wheelchair accessible we need to give the flexibility to the manager to serve the families that 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 come through that door and so just you know rule number 1 you must be present to win rule number 2 is you must be present to make good decisions <laughs> you can't do it if you're if you're if you're not seeing what's there on the ground uh, and, and and so we were able to, to make those changes. And then we've had a, 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 a couple of well let me say every fisher house is special and every one is beautiful, but there's some that 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 are um, I take exceptional pride in and, and, and one of those locations is launch tool. You know, you 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 think back to the USS Cole and the embassy bombings in Africa you know one of those things that that taught us is that in that part of the world if anything happens the the first stop on on their route to recovery is going through Launstall and yeah. and and so we were able to work and and we opened the doors uh, to the fisher house and lawnstool of June of 2001 just weeks before 9 11. wow and and it, 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 again I, i'd love to say it, it it was brilliant leadership uh but but truth is it in, in, in my mind it's one of those god things that that, that just worked out uh, another uh great accomplishment was the fisher house at dover you know, President Obama opened it up so that the families could be there at the dignified transfer of remains. And, and uh, the Army Surgeon General, uh, General Schumacher, um, was at one of the, the transfers and visited with the families and, and, and saw that, you know, boy, what, what, wouldn't these families benefit by having a Fisher House here? Uh, because at that point they would go to a, a, a local hotel, and it would be uh, something like a Hilton Garden Inn or uh, you know a, a, a strip hotel that Holiday provides great
1: something like that
0: provides great services. Sure. Yeah, but you know this is the last interaction a, a family is having with the military. And and to be alone by yourself in a, a hotel room, and and then to be picked up, driven through security, going on the flight line, and going back to that hotel room, is 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 not how we ought to show the respect, the admiration, or the appreciation of their family sacrifice. So we were able to build a, a special nine uh, suite Fisher House there at Dover. That that supports those families, so that they can get together. And you know, so often it's it's just the ability to do those normal daily activities that that give your life some stability, that help you start healing from the very beginning. Yeah. And and uh, 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 again, it's just such a privilege to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I don't I don't have any personal ex- experience with Fisher House or. Or th- anything like this. The, I, I did, I did escort uh, one of my fellow troops who was injured in Afghanistan to launch tool um, from, from, from Bagram and, um, you know, escorted him there and checked him in and then hopped right back on the next C5 and, and, and went back in country. Um, but even that limited experience, uh, again, with somebody who I was friends with and and knew, but, but wasn't particularly close with it, it's, as you describe that for, for families who are going through uh, what families go through at Dover and, and as you're describing uh, you know, what, what families go through at Walter Reed um, there's just so much weight and, and so much meaning and, and so much emotion uh, that runs the range, right. runs the gamut of all of those things. So the fact that you are providing um, a home like Environment instead of that kind of cold, you know. I, as you were describing the Hilton Garden Inn and some of those things, I was thinking back to shipping off to boot camp, right? It was like when you ship off to boot camp, you go stri- you go into the military. It's all very cold and clinical, and you're you're kind of going through these steps to get into this large organization. And, and then it's like the coming out of it is separating or retiring, or, or in these cases, you know, getting injured or 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 getting killed in in action. It's um, you know, for for the families, it's just the the more um, the more homey of an environment, the more opportunity there is for that connection that that you're describing. How did you define the mission initially at, for the foundation as employee number one? And you were talking about you got a list of 70 places. You called it. You asked to call it down to 10. You obviously had had um, thoughts around not wanting to bite off more than you can chew. But how were you defining the mission at the time?
0: Well, and and that's where I I need to give credit to to Zach Zach Fisher and and the board they had in place, uh, because as as you take a a, a look, uh, you know the first twenty plus houses Zach wrote a personal check for, and and that's why the program carries his name. So so you know, initially my mission was engendering support for the houses, uh, as, and, and advise Zach on, on where to build next, uh, and, and helping to determine those priorities and, and working within the military health system, I was close enough that, that, that just came naturally. As we go through the years one of the things we've done is we've learned a lot from the people who've graced our houses. You know, I I mentioned the double amputee and the need to put elevators in there. But, but one of the challenges of, of military life back then, uh, you know, military is, is, is great with setting parameters and sticking to them. Uh, And, and when somebody was injured, they could bring in three family members and, and they would be put on orders. They would come in. Uh, they might stay in a Fisher house. They, you know, at, at a certain point, an awful lot stayed in the Malone house. And, and it was a situation where, you know, you get that call. You want to get there. You don't know if you turn the oven off. You don't know if the water's running. You just packed a bag and you got there because you wanted to support your loved one. Well, after a couple of weeks you know that a lot of the recoveries lasted months if not years and so after a couple of weeks uh, people would go and and they'd talk to the the their liaison and said you know hey I I really need to get back home to check on things can you can you fly me back and they said well sure absolutely we can do that well when when the the army or the marine corps would fly them back that stopped the government support it took them off of orders and so they say okay i'm ready to come back and they said uh sorry you've used the benefit and and so we learned that there was a need for transportation and at that time uh there was a, a a lot of pressure put on the airlines to allow people to donate their miles Mm -hmm. in support of the military. Well, we worked with DOD and, and helped take over that program so that we could fly families back and forth as needed and they wouldn't lose their benefits. The other challenge with that is how many families come in threes. Uh, And, and, and many times it was a situation where there might have been, the parents might have been divorced. Uh, and, and, you know, the first one to respond to the call was the one that got put on orders. Right. Well, that, that just doesn't always work. So, uh, w- many of our programs came as a result of that and hero miles specifically. And we've now provided over 85,000 airline tickets through that program and and being fairly smart we said well gosh if it works with flights maybe it'll work with hotels and 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 so we started that program um and and you know many times as we've expanded it's it's been because of needs we've seen at the houses the 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 other thing is we've looked for opportunities We don't like spending money on advertising, but there are opportunities that come our way or that you see that you you just want to take advantage of. One of those is our scholarships for military children. Um, We were uh, in a room when uh, the, the director of DECA, the commissary agency, uh, was talking to all the vendors who sell their goods there. And they say, hey, instead of giving away a raft or a car to one service member, why don't we consider setting up a scholarship? And, and in that way, it's a real benefit to military families. Well, uh, we went up and we said, tell you what, we'll cover all the admin costs and make sure that every dollar given goes out as a dollar in scholarship. And we'll promise that we give out one scholarship per commissary at least. And, and what that did for us, number one, it was a program expense. It was something helping the military, but instead of being at just, you know, 22 military medical centers where there's a, a a limited exposure, it now gave us exposure at every commissary. And, and, and we were in every military community worldwide and we were doing something good, which helped get the name out. Again, the, the, the challenge is not being that best kept secret. And, and, and so we looked for those types of opportunities to be a part of the military community, not competing with other organizations, but, but also working to collaborate, you know, with hero miles. Uh, this past year we we helped 52 other nonprofits working to support the military and if we're using uh, our resources to eliminate the barrier of transportation it saves them money and lets them put that money into their programs which makes them more effective yeah and 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 so it's it's just a philosophy of uh, going back to the, the number one dictate Mr. Fisher gave me. Do the right thing.
1: Yeah, and and like you said, right, rule number one is you have to be present to win and rule number two is you have to be present to be able to make good decisions. <laughs> so if you make yourself and your organization present within the... It's it's a really smart way to do it. It's, it is also the most thoughtful way to do it, right, where you're not just providing a service for the community. You're actually operating with and from within the community, right? And then you're building partnerships across other communities, whether that's, uh, you know, public private partnerships or whether that's airline miles programs, hotel points programs, all these different things. Like You're able to create a network of resources for people in the community to use, which is ultimately what what you're trying to do is is. Is give opportunities w- within the community, so I think it's it's both really smart and really thoughtful. So much has changed um, since the the mid to, to late nineties when you when you got started there. Both both in terms of the size and scope of the military, the conflicts that we've engaged, disengaged, re-engaged, may or may not be still engaged in, um, and and obviously, so much has changed um, across the political, uh, governmental, and kind of nonprofit sector uh, over the course of the last. 30 plus years. What are what are some of the how have you navigated those changes as an organization and remains and, and we'll talk a little bit more about I know you said best kept secret you don't want it to be a secret anymore but you what what you are is a very successful organization that is one of the older organizations within this space that's still operating you got all these new nonprofits coming up all the time and some of them are bad actors, we won't name them, but like, you know, there, there's, so how have you navigated the landscape and how have you kept the quality of, of service um, and community engagement up this entire time?
0: Well, you know, one of the great temptations when you start to be successful is, is you, you start to think you can be all things to all people. And, and, and we've worked hard to maintain a purity of, of, of purpose. Uh, and, and if it's one thing we know, life is always going to happen. Young, young soldiers and young Marines and young sailors are always going to make babies. And, and uh, you know, there, there are going to be some problem pregnancies. Uh, as, as we age, uh, there are other things that happen. Uh, if you're going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, there are going to be times when you get hurt. Being in the military is a dangerous business. So, you know, the fact that uh, we know that life is always going to happen uh, always gives us a mission that's never going to change. And and, you know, we're, we're often asked, why do you have to do it? Why doesn't the military provide this? Well, you know, the answer's pretty simple. We we get to be a part of the solution. If, if, you know, the army was going to do it, you, you'd have a cot, you'd have four walls, you'd have one bathroom and you flip, you know, with a man and a woman. And I don't know, maybe today it's three-sided uh, for for people to use so that, you know, it's occupied. Uh, but this is a chance for us to show our appreciation. And that is, you know, in in many respects, the country's divided, but you know I, I I think one thing that really unites everybody is the respect for the men and women who serve and the appreciation for the the families who sacrifice by their side. you know i, I I'd love to say our success is due to brilliant leadership. It's really who we serve. And it's out of respect for the people who volunteer and and go to strange places uh, to do what is asked of them that makes us successful. Yeah. You you,
1: as you were as you were talking about it, if the army were to do this, you know you would get a cod and and four walls. It was back to those parameters, right? The the military is very good at at, at creating parameters and and sticking to them, staying with within them. One thing that's coming up with with my generation, and I'm a, I'm square in the middle of millennial, right? So, um, I definitely have some you know Gen X friends, and, um, but. Primarily millennial, and then and then relatively close to Gen Z, right? As Gen Z comes up, one one thing that millennial veterans um, and are experiencing is this kind of um, disenfranchisement with the way the system has treated us as we've exited the military, uh, regardless of how you exited the military, right? Um, but it's become a conversation that it's a difficult one. It's nuanced because the. As I observe it, the military is very good at indoctrinating you into it and is very, very good at executing its mission. Unfortunately, its mission is not to separate you, retire you, set you up for success outside of its organization. Um, Obviously, there are certain things the military, the DOD, and the, the, the government owe families and and, and humans who have been wounded and killed in, in combat and their families. So it's, it's, it's a little bit different, but what I love about your approach and kind of what I hear you talking about is um, look for ways to be a part of the solution. Don't ask the question as to why somebody else isn't doing something. Look at that as an opportunity for you to do something. Is that right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other thing in, 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 deciding, in deciding what kind of organization you want to work for, I, I had a chance to be at an event with General Peter Pace, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, amazing man. And, 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 you know, like so many great leaders, he just has a way to, to, to simplify a, a, a difficult situation. And, and he was asked, how, how do I know uh, what company I, I'll be successful at and that I'd want to work for? and he said well you know the the thing i would recommend is look at the people at the top and if that's the kind of person you want to become that's an organization you want to work for because in order to be successful in that organization you're going to need to fit that mold and and so if you don't like the people at the top don't don't try to go there Uh, look for an organization where you're going to fit and where you're going to be successful.
1: That is a great piece of advice uh, that I have not heard someone say before, but that we're going to clip that one out um, and, and, and put it out there for sure that, There's a a lot of this audience are are entrepreneurs, um, creatives, you know, people who are looking to do something different kind of outside of a a smaller or larger organization, maybe build their own organization. But there are a good chunk of people who want to go function at a high level within existing organizations. And that is a great metric to use as you go through your interview process, as you go through all the processes that you need to go through for employment post-military is Don't just look at how you can fit into or add to the culture, but look at what the culture is and how that could potentially transform you, either positively, negatively, um, because there's no there's no neutral when it when it comes to the way the culture shapes shapes people. Um, Excuse me. Um, Okay, so Fisher House is currently the best kept secret. Um, How do how do we how do we get the secret out? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well the the most useful tool is our website, fisherhouse.org. Uh And from there you can learn about all the different programs we have, the opportunities, where the houses are. You know when 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 life happens, uh, things are moving fast and 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 uh, you know, I, I don't know how many families have gone through, so many resources trying to get there as, as quick as they can. And then they think about, oh, maybe I should have done this. So to have a general awareness, uh, if you go to fishhouse.org, you can see where the houses are. You can see the different opportunities, you know, uh, we appreciate everybody who makes a donation to us, but you know, donations are, are, are can be more than, than things that are monetary. Uh, the donation of frequent flyer miles, hotel points. Um, potentially, you know, if there's a Fisher House near you to, to get with a group of friends and, and go have a cookout one night or, or, or bring pizzas by the house. You know, you, you, it's just an environment where you think you're doing something nice for somebody, but you go, you do it, you talk with them, you learn their story, and you found out you got a little bit more from it than maybe what you gave. Uh, and and uh, But I would encourage everybody to go to fisherhouse.org, learn about the breadth of our programs, how they may wanna get involved. Uh, and then when life happens, remember that uh, you heard somebody talking about helping military families. And if you just do a search on that, we're going to come up.
1: That's great. Yeah, people, you can argue uh, all you want as to whether or not, uh, you know, are you, are, is it altruistic? Are you benefiting yourself? Are you benefiting the people that you're helping and that you're serving and that you're taking pizza and cook? At the end of the day, just go connect with people, right? <clears throat> and just go meet people where they are, meet other human beings where they are. Um, and yeah, and so, so
0: Yeah, so often the the enemy is the isolation. Because that's when your thoughts can get away from you and, 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 and you, and, and, and my experience, uh, if, 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 uh, you, you're going to have darker thoughts. It's when you're isolating, when you're around others, connecting with other people, uh, you're, you're focusing on more than yourself. You're, you're focusing on helping them and, and. Uh, you're, you're, you're not a a team of one. You're now a team of two dealing with a situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, before we wrap up and I ask you the open-ended question, what's next? What's immediately on the horizon for the organization? What are you most excited about, uh, in terms of what the team is doing?
0: Oh gosh. Uh, you know, the, the next thing on, uh, the horizon is we're on the road to 100 houses uh it is a milestone i i certainly never thought i would see in my lifetime in fact i always said when we hit 100 i'll i'll retire and now i'm thinking okay maybe 125 150 uh, i've got a few more years left in me how um, many are
1: we at now what's our number right now
0: 96 and we're we're building in 97 98 99. Uh, second house in San Antonio at the VA, the ninth in San Antonio, second at the VA, and Memphis at the VA and also Detroit. Mm -hmm. And in the spring, we'll start Fisher House number 100. So next year, we'll celebrate that milestone. We'll have dinner, pat ourselves on the back, and then get busy building again Uh, because the the, the need is there. Uh, I'm excited about Puerto Rico. Uh, that is a, a, a place that, you know, you think about any unit I've ever served in, there have been a, a, a number of uh, great people f- serving from Puerto Rico and, and for them not to have the benefit of a house and to be able to bring a house to Puerto Rico is going to be special. Now that one has to withstand 175 mile an hour winds. Yeah. Well, it's going to be built a little different. And, and, and to have that kind of a challenge is, is fun too, but you know, it's going to have an impact on that community because it, it'll not only serve the Island there, but it will also serve the Virgin islands.
1: Yeah. Are you, are, uh, have you been in touch with, with chief Cologne Lopez, the outgoing SEAC who just retired?
0: I, I have not.
1: He does, um, he does a lot of, a lot of, uh, he's, he's from, he's Puerto Rican. He's from Puerto Rico. Does a lot of, uh, a lot of work there with, with his community and with the military community there. Um, and, uh, so certainly, certainly worth, worth looking into, um, uh, that as you, as you uh, approach that, that milestone, um, amazing. Okay. So to end the podcast, wrap things up, I, I ask an open-ended question. Um, and the, the question is what's on your heart, what's on your mind for our community could be a piece of advice, could be something you just want to get off your chest, or it could be something you want to reiterate that we've already spoken about today. But what's on your heart? What's on your mind?
0: You know, don't, don't think there's only one path. You know, it, it, in, in your career, military career, there were so many things that, that I had exposure to and and that were preparing me for the path I took. Had no idea of of where I would end it up, and if if I had wanted to chart a path path to where I am, I couldn't have done it. But but open yourself up to possibilities. Uh, keep in touch with those you served with. Support one another. You're still a part of a team. Um, you know, I've retired nearly thirty years ago, but I have the opportunity to continue to serve the, the men and women I've respected so much. And, and the other thing is, is be true to who you are. You don't need to become another person to succeed. Uh, you know, you're the, the, the same person that was successful in their military career can be successful in their civilian career.
1: That's exactly right. Well said, uh, what we say around here is do the work that's right in front of you and see what happens. Dave Coker, sincerely appreciate the time. Wonderful speaking with you. I'm sure it won't be the last time. We'll have to get you back on in the spring, talk about um, House 100 and, and and look into the future uh, again. Um, have a happy Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Appreciate your time.
0: Hey, thanks so much, Kerry.
1: Thank you, sir.